When I was a senior in high school, I had life figured out. I knew exactly what steps to take in order to give, to find a successful life. I knew what marks to hit to reach fulfillment. And I sketched it out for you guys today. So this is this very easy path. If you ever have played the game of life, this might also look familiar to you. But I did have some particularities on what I was gonna do on each one. 17-year-old Kristen knew I was gonna graduate from Plano West, and then my plan was to head to Vanderbilt University. From there, I would meet the man of my dreams, we would travel the world, I would graduate with an international marketing degree, land a great high-paying job, get married, continue higher education, have kids, and reach happiness. The end, right? Because that's how life goes. If we were in a movie right now, I feel like we'd have a little sequence scene that'd be like, da-da-da, da-da-da, actual life. Okay, so actual life, yes, I did graduate from Plano West in 2001. I was the first graduating class there. But my life already took a detour at that moment. I didn't get accepted into Vanderbilt University. But I did find an even better school, the University of Texas, Hook'em Longhorns. And while I did not even make it into the business school, I did not graduate with my marketing degree. Instead, I was a government major which by the time I became a senior, I realized that if I, I didn't really have a use for it unless I intended to teach or become a lawyer. I did, however, meet the man of my dreams, my wonderful husband, Trent, and we do have two beautiful girls. But besides that, I didn't really follow the game of life. But I ended up with something even more beautiful something even more fulfilling. Because you see, as I got older, I stopped trying to listen to what society was telling me would make me happy. And I started looking inside. I started listening to where God was leading me. I started listening to where I was being guided by the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to meet two people, Simeon and Anna, who were also filled and guided with the Holy Spirit. They're part of the infancy narrative in Luke, which means that they're part of the story where we meet baby Jesus. Jesus is still an infant. It's after the shepherds have come and told Mary and Joseph about Jesus as the Savior, and it's a little bit of time later when we're then in the temple in Jerusalem and we meet Anna and Simeon. The book of Luke was written between 85 to 90 Common Era. And while we typically attribute the book of Luke to Luke, the physician who accompanied the Apostle Paul on his journeys, we really don't know who the author is. But scholars do contend that the book was written by a Gentile Christian, meaning someone not of Jewish heritage, who is well-educated and knew the Hebrew Bible really well. And there's a couple of major themes that we're going to see in the book of Luke and see in our story today. One is that salvation is available now. We don't need to wait for the other side of death to experience heaven on earth. There's also this theme of radical inclusion. Jesus came for everyone. Jesus came for all. And that includes those on the margins or the outcasts. That includes the widows. 
So we're gonna go ahead and pick up our story right now. We're starting in Luke 2, 22 through 32. Listen, friends, for the word of God. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered the sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, Now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I read this story, when I read this text, the first thing I noticed was how active the Holy Spirit was in the life of Simeon. The Holy Spirit rested on Simeon. The Holy Spirit guided him, led him that day to the temple, led him to Jesus, led him to embrace Jesus in his arms. And this is when Simeon gives him a blessing. This blessing is traditionally referred to as the nunc dimittis. Let me read this part again, Luke 2, 28 through 32. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word for my eyes, which have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the inclusion, the radical inclusion piece. Jesus came not just to redeem the Israelites, but to redeem everyone. We are all included in this beautiful story of redemption. And Simeon was was led to this story through the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to continue to finish up our text for today, 32 through 40 a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then, as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee and their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The first thing that popped out at me at this text was that Mary and Joseph were amazed. 
This comes right after the Christmas story. So for me, I had a question of why were they amazed at what Simeon was telling them? The angel had already told Mary. The shepherds had also shared with Mary and Joseph that this was the Son of God. This was the Savior. But as I looked at different scholars and different commentary writers, I found that another theme in Luke is that he used this word amazed. Amazed to describe how the common people were able to see Jesus, were able to see the Savior. And I thought about it in my own life. I've heard the story of God's work since I was a child. I've heard the story of Jesus since I was tiny. But I am, I find amazement in what God is doing every day. So that word absolutely fits for me as well. And then we meet Anna, a prophetess, someone who's a widow, who's considered on the outside of society. And she's included in this story. Everyone is and can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you can be guided to embrace Jesus yourself. A beautiful image popped into my head, one of Simeon holding Jesus in his arms. I found this beautiful artwork online by artist Jan Van Hoff, and it just describes exactly what I was thinking. I see a peace overcoming Simeon and a joy in Anna's face as they are seeing Jesus for the first time. They are embracing their Savior. And then we have Mary and Joseph looking onward with that same joy, that same amazement. And isn't that what it's like for us when we're led by the Holy Spirit, when we see Jesus working in our own lives, when we embrace what is going on today? Because the Holy Spirit has always been with us. Since creation, the Holy Spirit was the breath of life that went into the created order. For Moses, the Spirit was in the burning bush, calling him to lead the people out of Egypt, to lead them out of slavery. The Holy Spirit was with Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, in the life and work of Jesus. But I don't know about you, sometimes I feel like it's it's hard to know exactly how that Holy Spirit is guiding me today. Because I have not seen a burning bush on the side of the road telling me exactly which direction I should go. So what does that look like us for de- today? What does it look like in our own times to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit? Four and a half years ago, I stood here on this chancel for the first time. It was September 8th, 2019. If you were here at Christ United on that day, it was an event called Belong. I was the communications director here at Christ United, and we were putting together a day where we were encouraging members and people to find a small group, an adult Sunday school class, because we know that's where transformation can happen. I myself had experienced that in my own adult Sunday school class, where I had felt transformed by God. And for some reason, I felt compelled to raise my hand and offer up to share my testimony that day. And I loved the whole process of it. I loved putting together the story of how God was working in my life, and then I loved standing up here and sharing it with everyone. And it was after that third service, when I was sitting in that chair right there, 
that I had heard a voice whisper inside my head saying, you should do this. I remember replying to that voice, do what? Preach? Are you crazy? I have a family. I have a life. This is not part of my spin-the-life success plan, if we remember. So I tried to ignore that voice. But it continued to pull and tug on my heart. There was a moreness that had stirred inside. I continued to lead book studies. I dove into so many books on faith, they were falling off my nightstand. But my life was loud enough that I was able to quiet that voice. But then March 2020 hit, and a pandemic swooped in and took us all by surprise. And for my life, it got a lot quieter. And that voice, that pull on my heart, got a lot louder. A year later, in September of 2020, when my kids were finally going back to school for the first time since spring break, my husband and I celebrated by dropping them off and heading to brunch. And for some reason over brunch, I felt compelled and I just blurted out for the first time, I think I want to be a pastor. There was sheer shock on his face. Because remember, remember this plan? <laughs> this wasn't part of what our plan had been. And the supportive husband he was encouraged me to explore that call. I was so scared. I still had so many reasons why this wouldn't work, why it couldn't be me. Less than a month later, I was giving a staff devotional at an all-staff meeting here at Christ United. And between the meetings, our senior pastor, Chris, he came up to me and asked, I keep wondering when you're going to ask me about becoming a pastor. I looked at him with sheer shock in my eyes as he said, you're clearly called. That external affirmation of someone that I respected and admired was what I needed to hear to affirm that pull on my heart that was coming from the Holy Spirit, the pull leading me here. In January, I will go up for commissioning interviews, and this May, I will graduate from seminary. It's been not an easy journey, but it's been the most fulfilling one as it's been led and guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be out there thinking, okay, that's great, Kristen. We're not all led to the Holy Spirit to get up to there and preach. And I completely understand that. This is one of many of the stories that I've heard and feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in the ordinary days and the extraordinary days. The Holy Spirit is here to guide our choices, to get us through suffering and hard times. So what else does that look like? What can that nudge look like in your life? Maybe it's not a pull to a new vocation, but maybe you're feeling a nudge to reconcile with a family member that you haven't talked to in years, and you don't even remember why you stopped talking. Maybe it's a pull that this year is the year that you need to take care of yourself. This is the year that you need to make that doctor's appointment. You need to do some hard things. Or maybe it's an exciting push. Maybe it is about a new journey. Maybe you've always wanted to work with kids, and this is the year you're going to figure out how. 
the Holy Spirit moves inside of us in each of our own unique ways because we are all each unique beloved children of God. We just have to take the time to sit and listen to feel that pull. Today is the last day of 2023, a day where a lot of us are going to be making New Year's, New Year's resolutions. You know, drink 20 gallons of water a day, lose 10 pounds by Tuesday, the normal stuff that is probably on the wheel of life and that spinning success that society continues to tell us will make us happy, will fulfill us. I invite us to think about something different today. I invite us instead to thinking about what all those outside voices are asking us to do. Listen to where God is calling you. In 2024, what would your life look like to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen.